The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to the Sox Machine Podcast 2021 Player Reviews. I'm Josh Nelson. In the upcoming months, we'll be selecting a player or position group to recap their 2021 season discussing if said player or players met or exceeded expectations and what does their near future outlook appear to be with the 2022 Chicago White Sox. Last calendar year, we pondered if Carlos Rodon had pitched at his last game with the Chicago White Sox. After not recording an out in Game 3 of the wildcard round during the 2020 postseason against the Oakland Athletics, there were a lot of questions about Rodon's effectiveness and health. The White Sox would eventually non-tender Rodon on December 2nd, 2020, an unceremonious end to Rodon's career with the White Sox after being selected in the first round back in 2014. Or so we thought. After the other 29 teams didn't meet Rodon's contract or playing time demands, the Chicago White Sox on February 1st, 2021, brought back Rodon on a one-year, $3 million contract. The expectation was that Rodon would compete for a spot in the White Sox starting rotation against Ronaldo Lopez and Dylan Cease. Not exactly an inspiring battle prior to spring training from what we saw of the three pitchers in the previous season. Rodon made four spring training appearances starting three games and looked strong. In 13 and two-thirds innings, Rodon struck out 16 while walking just one, allowing nine hits and two earned runs. It was a good enough performance for the White Sox to reward Rodon with the number five starting spot in the rotation. His first start in the regular season came after the Chicago White Sox losing three out of four against the Los Angeles Angels. Needing a pickup, Rodon was great against the Seattle Mariners, throwing five scoreless innings, striking out nine, while only allowing two hits and three walks on 95 pitches. Nobody will forget Rodon's first home start. The setting was April 14th against Cleveland, a very cold night with just a few thousand in attendance due to COVID restrictions, keeping fans in pods throughout the lower half of the stadium. 
Rodon put on a show. After his offense provided six runs in the first inning, three of them on a Yermer Mercedes blast off Cleveland starter Zach Plesak, Rodon didn't give Cleveland hitters a chance. Striking out seven, Rodon carried a perfect game going into the ninth inning. With one out, Rodon slider caught Cleveland catcher Roberto Perez in the foot for the first base runner to reach. But Rodon bounced back to strike out Yu Chain and notorious left-handed smasher Jordan Liplow could only ground out to Yohan Makata at third base. To third, Makata. Carlos Rodon has thrown a no-hitter. After everything he's been through, the elbow and the shoulder were supreme on April 14th, 2021. That call was from Jason Benetti on NBC Sports Chicago. It was Rodon's first career no-hitter, and for a pitcher who couldn't get anyone out in his last appearance in 2020, it was an incredible moment. Rodon's excellence didn't stop there. He won his first five starts, and from May 21st to July 18th, spanning 10 starts, Rodon struck out at least eight batters in each game. At the All-Star break, Rodon had a 7-3 record, and a 2.31 ERA, earning his first All-Star game nod. Rodon didn't pitch in the game. Instead, he got himself ready for his first start after the All-Star break against the Houston Astros. In seven scoreless innings, Rodon struck out 10 while only allowing one hit on 98 pitches. That would be the last time Rodon threw more than 90 pitches in a start during 2021. After striking out 11 batters in five innings against the Chicago Cubs on August 7th, Rodon went on the injured list, and he wouldn't return until August 26th. When Rodon returned, his premium velocity didn't. The White Sox handled Rodon carefully, not allowing him to pitch more than five innings in each of his following starts. Even though the velocity was off, Rodon was still effective striking out 25 in his final 23 regular season innings. Because of the velocity dip, there were a lot of questions about Rodon's availability in the postseason. After dropping both games in Houston and a wild Game 3 that saw the White Sox win 12-6 but having to empty out most of their bullpen, Rodon got the ball to start Game 4. Surprising many, Rodon's premium velocity returned. Once again touching 99 miles per hour in his fastball, Rodon struck out two Houston batters in the first inning, and kept Houston scoreless in the second. In the third inning, with two outs, Rodon unraveled. After hitting Jose Altuve with the pitch and watched him steal second base, Rodon walked Alex Bregman and Jordan Alvarez to load the bases. On an 0-2 pitch, Carlos Correa laced a double to left field, scoring two runs. Manager Tony La Russa called for Michael Kopech, and Rodon's 2021 season was done going two and two-thirds innings, allowing three hits, two earned runs, walking two, striking out three on 56 pitches as the White Sox proceeded to lose 10-1 in Game 4. Rodon had a five-win season, according to Baseball Reference, and a 4.9 war, according to Fangraphs. After pitching 132 and two-thirds innings with a 2.37 ERA, and 185 strikeouts. An incredible bounce-back season for Rodon that comes at a good time for him. He's a free agent again, and unlike last year, 
there will be plenty of suitors outside of the Chicago White Sox for his services. So the question about Rodon last year still remains. Is this the last time we see Rodon in a White Sox uniform? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Joining me to continue the discussion about Carlos Rodon is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com and the co-host of the podcast. It's Jim Margulis. And hello, Jim. So the first question regarding Carlos Rodon and recapping his 2021 season what did we learn about Rodon in 2021? I think the big overline is that we learned that he's not dead yet, which I think was the <laughs> uh, thing we thought we might have learned at the end of the 2020 season. But sure enough, the velocity uh, rebound that he had at the end of that year, even though it didn't uh, convert into success immediately, did foreshadow his ability to put together the best stretch of his career. So there's that. I think we also learned that he's like amenable to a routine and, and coachable the way, you know, I think with his early uh, years with Don Cooper and being fast-tracked through the minors and Robin Ventura and so forth, not really having a routine uh, developed in the minors with the fast-tracking more or less making it up as he went along, I don't think he had a way of knowing what worked, what didn't, um, you know, faith in a process for, for lack of a, a better way of saying it. And I think Ethan Katz, uh, because of having a fresh outside uh, set of eyes and ears and such, and also having Rodon pretty much at the end of, uh, end of his line with the White Sox or potentially at the end of his line at a crossroads, certainly, 
probably made him more amenable to outside help or, or more open to it. I don't know if he's ever close to it before. Maybe the White Sox just didn't try that much with him and just uh, counted on his raw talent carrying the day. But with Ethan Katz, he showed that he was able to uh, incorporate different items and uh, bits of equipment and uh, philosophies into his training regimen and it paid off. So there's that. I think what we didn't learn is is whether his health is still an issue or not. That's, I think, what we hoped we would learn at the end of the 2020 season going through 2021. But we still don't know that. The shoulder thing was vague. Um, he had a hard time summoning the kind of dominance he showed in the first half. He had a hard time uh, sustaining velocity. The slider was lacking power. Uh, towards the end of the year so that I don't know and I think that's you know the biggest question still unsolved as mentioned in the intro recapping Rodon's 2021 season 2021 was sort of two seasons in one you have this amazing first half that saw Rodon become an all-star and a scion favorite and the second half was the injured Rodon who had to scale back his stuff do you think it's possible Rodon can harness what we saw in the first half moving forward with his career. I think so, you know, presuming or assuming that the fatigue they mentioned, the soreness, the what they said was like nothing structural, nothing to worry about over the course of the second half. If that is true and there's nothing underneath it that requires um, surgical intervention or anything like that, then I think he can harness it again, you know, perhaps having a full off season where once again he doesn't need to rehab from surgery or uh, have any other kind of um, you know unusual amount of time off that requires uh, the 2022 season to be part of his ramp up process the way he's had to do it in previous years. It seems like he should be able to come back in March and April and find the form that he had because he showed in his if nothing else he showed in his postseason start in game four that he has the velocity still you know just the other power elements to his game. We're lacking or inconsistent, but the velocity is still there, just like the velocity was there late in the 2020 season. So I think he can harness it. I think the question is just more, you know, can he harness it for an entire season? Which again is the question he did not, he, he was not so courteous as to answer. Well, as we have learned so far in the 2021 postseason, all pitchers are having a difficult time maintaining their stuff, especially after the shore in 2020 season and then trying to ramp up to the marathon that is a major league baseball season when you have the full 162 game schedule. I am hopeful, as you mentioned, Jim, for Rodon as the individual player that being able to touch 99 again in game four early, even if it was just for a couple innings, it's still there. My fear was that it was gone after he went on the injured list. But for him to rev up and hit 99 miles per hour again, uh, I think that is a good thing for Carlos Rodon and really helps him this upcoming offseason with the many suitors that are going to be lining up for him. But before he even entertains other offers from teams, there is the period that teams can make their qualifying offers. And the qualifying offer has been reduced for the 2022 season. Uh, it's been lessened by $500,000, so it's only $18.4 million for the qualifying offer. Let's talk about the White Sox perspective first. After what they have learned mm -hmm. throughout his entire career, and especially in 2021, 
Do you think the White Sox make a qualifying offer for Carlos Rodon? It's hard to say with a whole lot of confidence just because we don't know their budget. I think in previous years, like during the rebuild, when they were filling out rotations with Ivan Novas and Derek Hollins and Miguel Gonzalez's, that uh, it would have been you know the the easiest call in the world. Like you know you're you're already going with these praying for upside picks with you know, uh, these third fourth tier starters. You may as well trust your own guy, especially if he's showing what Rodon showed. And you put that on your payroll and great, you know, and if he, if he declines it, moves on, uh, you get a draft pick, you get added to it, assuming he signs for a certain amount of money. So it seems like to me, I kind of just want to know what their budget is. I mean, the, the problem is like, you know, with Rodon, if he, you know, if he makes 18.4 million and he doesn't pitch a hundred innings, can the White Sox absorb that? We've seen previous years that the White Sox could not absorb uh, devoting a chunk of payroll to somebody who couldn't uh, take the ball or or get in the box or whatever position they're playing, you know, and, and wasn't available to do so. And with, you know, Dallas Keuchel making a lot of money, uh, Lance Lynn making a lot of money, Lucas Giolito making even more money or making the most money he's ever made, uh, the rotation is going to be pricey. So, like, to me, it, you know, I, I think there are a couple of questions I have, like, you know, whether they're going to exercise Craig Kimbrell's option and whether they think they can trade him without, you know, throwing in a ton of money or whether they think they can trade Dallas Keuchel, even if they have to eat some money in order just to, you know, open up a spot and, and not uh, perhaps devote so much money to somebody whose, uh, you know, kind of value to the White Sox is depreciating. So uh, those are the questions I have in mind. But if I had to guess... Just given the upside, given how much they know of him and perhaps their tendency to pick familiarity when they, they feel like it could be in their favor, I think they will offer him the qualifying offer. If they don't, is that a sign of the White Sox having to scale back or be a little bit more conservative than we think they will be this offseason in terms of spending? I guess you can look at it two ways. You can look That would be like the glass half empty which like, oh, they're not going to be spending. Glass half full is that they know that it's a risky bet, or maybe they, you know, maybe perhaps they know what Rodon was really dealing with underneath uh, the descriptions they gave to the public. And so, you know, I, I think my first guess would be, oh, they don't think he can throw 100 innings. Like that's that's more or less where I'd be. My, my first line of thinking is that they wouldn't be betting on his health. I, I think the... I guess the counterpoint to your perspective is like if they do think that like he's a decent bet or like 50-50 to throw, you know, 150 innings or 140 or whatever the, the threshold is for you know, an adequate amount of innings and they just feel like that's a lot of money, that could just be like, well, you know, we learned from last year that we can't really have half measures if we feel like Rodon is a half measure one way or another. You know, we have positions we need to super solve or at least uh, devote the adequate amount of resources to like right field, second base, rotation spot, you know, and even if Rodon, it just isn't the answer for that spot. You know, perhaps it's just them being, trying to be smart and proactive about uh, not getting saddled with a guy who can't deliver what they need. So I could see it being a case where, oh, their payroll is going to be you know, 15 million uh, less than we think is reasonable. And that could very well be the case too. But I would think, yeah, my, my first thought would be they don't like his medicals or what they know of it. Um, and, and if that's not the case, then they just feel like there are other options out there that can perhaps 
meet the bill and they'd rather direct those resources to an otherwise respectable payroll elsewhere. Then let's flip the script over to Carlos Rodon, who is represented by Scott Boris. Do you think Rodon, if the White Sox were to make the qualifying offer of $18.4 million to pitch for the Chicago White Sox in 2022, do you think Carlos Rodon would accept? I think he would be smart to, just because I don't see him getting a higher uh, average annual value anywhere. You know, also the White Sox are contending. You know, he they just won a division title. Uh, they should be going back to the postseason. So, you know, he, he seems to like where he's at and he should like where he's at in terms of just uh, getting a lot of innings for a team that's successful and putting him in position for a bigger payday if he can last the full season this time around. And, you know, just having a, a draft pick potentially attached to him, I, I think that would hamper his market further because there are a lot of pitchers on the market this year. A lot of, and like a wide variety of pitchers. Um, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. I, I guess like whatever need you want to fill, whether it's a top end, uh, intriguing back end guys, name brand guys. Uh, you know, the, I think he's going to have a lot of competition from the outside that are that, that would depress his value further if there's a draft pick attached to his name. And this is, you know, I guess, assuming that the qualifying offer rules and compensation will remain the same after the season, given the CBA. On that topic, though, you're hinting at other pitchers. There is Robbie Ray, who had a very similar transformation that Carlos Rodon. Ray was able to pitch more innings than Carlos Rodon. If Rodon was healthy the entire season, you could probably see both Rodon and Ray being the top three for American League Cy Young voting and waiting to know which Southpaw that voters liked more for the 2021 American League Cy Young. Because Ray was able to last longer than Rodon, are you seeing a more significant contract as far as years and money that Ray would sign over Rodon? Or do you think Rodon can sign for a similar contract as Robbie Ray? I don't see it just because Ray, even though he came back from a really abysmal season, um, you know, with Arizona in 2020, like stability, stamina, health, you know, was never really in question. Like, uh, since he became like a full season starter, he's never made fewer than 23 starts in a full season. Um, you know, his performances, uh, you know, been hit or miss, but, uh, this, you know, should he win the Cy Young award, which he very well could like that will not have come completely out of nowhere because he had fine years in 2017 and 2019. Like he seems to be like an every other year guy in a way for, uh, the kind of performances he's able to summon. So they seem like they're on two different tiers to me. Like Rodon is closer to Rich Hill, um, and not in age because what Rich Hill's like, uh, you know, 57 years old, but when it comes to just the, (laughs) how a team would have to think about acquiring him, like Hill, you know, he's had years of, um, yeah, let me just, yeah. Like innings totals, like 195. 19, 57, 19, 38, 29, 110, 135, 132, 58. Like he's just, that's more, I think of Rodon's uh, track record when it comes to just what he's able to give a team. So I think the, you know, the play for Rodon would be something more along the lines of that, where it's, you know, a higher, you know, a respectable AAV, but, um, you know, there's either going to be vesting options or incentive, you know, highly incentive based salary structures for future seasons, that sort of thing. I don't, I don't think he has raised baseline for availability. Let's say Scott Boris advises Carlos Serdan 
based on preliminary conversations he's having with other teams, he advises Rodon to not accept a qualifying offer because he can get more guaranteed money in the free market. If Rodon doesn't accept the qualifying offer, what do you think his market would look like? And do you have any guesses on what would be a contract length and dollar amount Rodon could sign for? And keep in mind, we have the Sox Machine offseason plan project coming up, and there will be others as far as our listeners and fans that visit the site mm-hmm. daily that will have their thoughts uh, when they make their offseason plans on their guesses for Rodon and what it would be fair to sign him to a long-term contract. Do you have any thoughts on what the market and contract could be for Rodon? Oh, well, you know, let's, let's look at like the postseason or the off-season pitching markets. I mean, if you want like top line starters who have a good track record of health, um, you have uh, you know, Robbie Ray, as you mentioned, and then Marcus Stroman and Kevin Gosman. So there are those three. If you want name brand recognition, you have potentially five Hall of Famers out there uh, with Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw, Zach Greinke, and John Lester. You know, Kershaw, I don't see him leaving the Dodgers, but the other four could be in play to uh, teams who just want, you know, kind of a veteran ballast in their rotation. You're not so much concerned about getting Cy Young finishes out of them, but having the know-how and, and you know, like, looking for like a number three type performance out of them. You could see them uh, sign. Uh, you have Alex Wood and Steven Matz who had nice bounce back seasons. And then like you have like a uh, you know, potentially, or I guess perpetually intriguing guys like Noah Syndergaard and John Gray. And I think Syndergaard too might be uh, a little bit of a parallel for Odon in terms of, uh, you know, top end talent. That's, you can't quite count on being around and with you know, Syndergaard and the Mets, you never know just how much of Syndergaard was uh, just the general Metsness uh, that he couldn't escape. But there are a lot of just good, uh, intriguing pitchers out there for a variety of prices. So that's why I think that it's going to be hard for him to get like a great deal based on at least great guaranteed deal um, just on, on what other teams can you know, pursue. So I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, if he doesn't just want a one-year deal for the max annual value and, and a bounce back contract. And I think that one year deal would come with the White Sox and a qualifying offer. Like then that means, you know, that he's just, he can't be offered the qualifying offer again, even though like, you know, the White Sox offering that means that, but just in the case, like, you know, he doesn't have to move. Like, it just seems like the simplest way to get that deal. I don't see him getting one year and 18.4 million for the 2022 season anywhere else. Um, you know, now if he wants to go like two or three years or like, a vesting options, you know, that's, that's, I think, you know, what teams would want is some kind of incentive structure or something to where like, if he throws 150 innings in the season, then that guarantees the 2023 contract. Or if he throws, you know, 300 innings over the course of his first two years, then the third season gets uh, locked into place. Like that's, I think the kind of contract teams would want to sign him to, um, you know, perhaps he showed enough in the first half to where he can dictate terms more than the average oft-injured pitcher, but just given the amount of names out there for teams' budgets and desires, I don't see him having a whole lot of leverage to get that high base salary year after year. So that's why I'm thinking either be one big year deal or like it would be like a two for 30 or something like that. So, you know, maybe Max is out two for 30 with a vesting option for, you know, much bigger value in and, and 2024. 2024 no, counting years in order to uh you know get that what seems like a potentially big contract but 
kind of like the Liam Hendricks deal in a way. Like, you know, maybe there's a healthy buyout too on the back end that adds uh, to the total value of the deal. But uh, that would be my best guess. It's going to be something, you know, given that Boris is involved, I imagine there's going to be something creative to try to make the deal seem bigger than teams are willing to guarantee. And that's if Carlos Rodon, and based on the advice of his agent, Scott Boris, decide to decline the qualifying offer. Yeah. You weren't 100% sold the White Sox would make a qualifying offer to Rodon. And we asked this question last year, but it was in a much different tone. Mm-hmm. So let's ask this question again this year. Was game four the last time we saw Carlos Rodon in a White Sox uniform? Well, I said... No, I said it was the last time we saw him because he pitched so poorly and Rick Renteria didn't like him uh, or didn't like maybe, maybe nothing personal, but just didn't like that he couldn't figure out how to use him. And and so all the writing on the wall was saying he's done. And uh, sure enough, he came back. So given that it's a very positive season, I think all around, aside from just the second half fade, but everything else exceeded expectations and then some. I think you'd have to say that he's not done. So that's why I, I think I'm just going to trust the writing on the wall. Uh, and, and I think it's kind of murky given the, uh, you know, that Rodon's now a free agent officially and not everything's in the White Sox uh, court. But uh, I think uh, I'm going to say that he has not pitched his last game for the White Sox. All right. Well, we'll see what unfolds. For Carlos Rodon, again, that qualifying offer period is going to be after the conclusion of the World Series. We have a few weeks left to go. Yeah, if I may ask you, you know, for a variety of opinions, because I'm not all that certain, Are do you feel stronger or strongly in the directions I've gone, or do you have uh, you know convictions in any other directions? Huh. I am like you. I am 50-50 if the White Sox even make the qualifying offer. For Carlos Rodon. I think if the White Sox don't sign him to a qualifying offer, I do think the White Sox are interested in getting maybe a two or three year contract. However, Rodon's going to get so much interest, especially for teams that are going to finish runner up in the Robbie Ray sweepstakes, that he's going to have for the first time in his career the option to choose where you want to play and where you want to live. And I I think that's going to be really enticing. So at this moment, I am leaning towards, yes, we have seen Carlos Rodon for the last time in a White Sox uniform. And my guess, and this is a guess, I don't have any inside information. My guess is that Carlos Rodon's pitching for another team in 2022. Well, he did have the option of picking where he wanted to play after getting non-tendered. Now, that is true. So Okay, that that's a good point. So this will be his second time, except when he got non- yeah, non-tendered, yeah. it was a different situation. Yep. I don't think any team was that interested yeah. uh, in signing him. Uh, now there will be teams calling yeah. for his services. Yep, but just in case anybody was talking to their podcast saying, that's not true. <laughs> you are right. I that heard is you. not true. That is not true, but it it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, it it really is for Carlos Rodon. Uh, it was one heck of a season. If it is the last season for Carlos Rodon with the White Sox, this is the way you want to go out, not like 2020. And it's great that Rodon had that 
redemption season with the White Sox. You know, no matter what happens, I wish him well. You know, whatever, you know, however tumultuous his career was, it wasn't for a lack of trying. <laughs> it just, it, uh, it was, he, he went through a lot. And, and like you said, I'm glad that he was, everybody, you know, the, he, he was able to see it. The White Sox were able to see it. White Sox fans were able to see at least some kind of payoff. Well, Jim, thank you so much for hopping on to review Carlos Rodon's 2021 season with the White Sox. My pleasure. Anytime. We'll have a lot more of these. and and uh, But perhaps we're starting out with the most complicated one. That will do it for this 2021 Player Review Podcast. Thanks for listening. And if you just discovered the Sox Machine Podcast, you can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Sox Machine. And you can follow me on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore Josh. For those that have been listening to the show all season, and if you haven't already signed up, think about doing so at our Patreon page. Our Patreon supporters receive exclusive content, ad-free versions of the podcast and website, and the first opportunity to receive our new Sox Machine swag items. We have monthly plans starting at just $2 a month, and our annual plans save you 9%. To sign up, visit patreon.com slash Sox Machine. The Sox Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.